Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Terry Wordle, who is a speaker, author, and founder of Healing Care and HCM International. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. It's a joy to have so many great listeners like yourselves. If you're a first-time listener to the Guys Like Us podcast, thanks so much for tuning in. If you're a long-time listener, if you've tuned into multiple episodes in the past, I'm grateful that you're back here again, checking out some more content from the Guys Like Us. In today's conversation, I speak with Terry Wardle, who is a speaker, author, founder of Healing Care and HCM International. He has also served in many other positions in higher education, in pastoral ministry, uh, among a whole lot more. In this conversation, we dive into his latest book, Some Kind of Crazy, which is releasing in October. And we work through uh, and talk through the the process of emotional healing. Um, He brings us back to some of his early life trauma, um, some painful moments in in Appalachia, um, but how he was able to recognize this history, uh, go back to it and and really seek restoration, seek renewal, um, seeking to heal these, these broken wounds in, uh, in, in his life. Um, we discuss some more, uh, of his personal experiences, uh, of change and uh, of change that he's seen uh, in others in uh, the work that he's been doing um, and also more on this healing process we get into the nitty-gritty of um, identifying pain uh, working through it uh, and and looking to and seeking the comfort and the healing power of God um, I'm excited for this episode it's it's a great conversation with Terry. He brings a lot of uh, wisdom and, and information uh, and just a, a really good heart to this conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to turn it on over to my talk with Terry. Terry, thanks so much for joining me and the Guys Like Us podcast today. I'm thrilled to be here, Tyler. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so first off, I uh, have some exciting news. Um, congratulations on your latest book, Some Kind of Crazy, which is releasing in October. Um, can you just tell me uh, what, what it was like writing this book? Um, I know uh, before we dig into the, the, the ins and out of the book, I know there was some, some painful, uh, painful times in your, in your early life trauma. So uh, just how, how was it writing this book and, and, and rehashing those experiences? It was uh, a a real formative experience for me, far more than I would have anticipated. I uh, was invited to write this book. Uh, I was speaking at a seminar, sharing some of the stories. My writing in the past has been more instructive and didactic, and a a woman there named uh, Ann Spangler, herself a great author, came to me and said, I think we need to talk about you writing uh, a spiritual memoir. And uh, I had very mixed feelings about that. And one of the reasons was the recognition that no matter how much I have addressed some of the emotional ruptures of the past in my life, that to really dig into the entire story 
would uh, position me for uh, revisiting some pain and maybe visiting some places that I hadn't even thought about before. And uh, after prayer, I felt like it was important for me to go forward. I didn't know at the time whether we'd ever get to the other side, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to understand a little bit more about where my family came from, what is the nature of their dysfunction and brokenness, uh, how their lifestyles then begin to affect my uh, understanding of life, and then a series of rather serious childhood traumas uh, that uh, profoundly impacted my emotional well-being as a young child and then carried it on into adolescence and adulthood. Uh, revisiting that was, uh, it was most definitely an experience of inviting Christ in to repair a lot of unrepaired ruptures that were in my life. You know, God had done a great work in my life as a whole. He's used me. I was able to have a career of, uh, in, in both the academy and in the church. But this has been a very important journey. It took me a year and a half of uh, rather intense writing to navigate this. And I think what people are going to find is that um, I've, I've sought to be very authentic and open about the fact that God uses people that have limps, and he often meets us in the ditch uh, in ways that are absolutely transforming. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, thank you for sharing. I, I'm, I'm sure you've uh, over just through writing, even through writing this book and uh, I'm putting uh, just the words on paper, you've been able to see uh, kind of just this transformative work of Christ through your writing uh, and being able to articulate that into a, into a, into a memoir, um, which is, uh, it's definitely, I'm sure a scary thought, but now that it's, now that it's all uh, finished up and just, just looking forward to the, to the next stage of sending it off and just hope and just um, hoping and praying that this will uh, impact many, many other lives. So I, I know we, we had referenced, uh, uh, your uh, your childhood. Can you share a bit more of what times were like for you when you were uh, living um, in, in Appalachia in particular? Yeah, I grew up in the western Pennsylvania coal fields. My family were all coal miners and farmers. Uh, my grandfather, who great-grandfather, who had come from England, had left there. Uh, actually, he was imprisoned there, and he came here to the States, and he uh, began a family with, uh, he had eight children, and out of those, my grandfather was born, and then, of course, my father. And uh, it was a, a very blue-collar uh, upbringing. Uh, there was a real disdain for religion and education. And their basic rule was, if you don't got, get caught, it doesn't really matter. And uh, as a result of that, it was kind of a, a rough and rowdy existence. And very early in my life, I went through a series of what I think people would call significant traumas, uh, an event where my grandfather uh, abused me by locking me in a, in a car way out in the middle of a country road late at night while he was off having an adulterous relationship with a neighbor's wife. And when you're four or five years old and experience that amount of time in a darkened car, it certainly impacts some of your sense of safety. And then I saw my grandfather died very violently right in front of me, right at my feet when I was five, and a similar event with a grandmother. And in our family, there was really no talk about the kinds of things that would be traumatic, whether it was uh, criminal things or shootings or other activities that weren't uh, outside of our family history. And all those began to get bottled up in me. 
And uh, I experienced a lot of anxiety as a kid. I mean, afraid of the dark, afraid of almost everything. And then as I turned into a teenager, that anger kind of migrated in, I mean, that anxiety migrated into anger. And my early teenage years were characterized by a lot of acting out, a lot of aggressive behavior. And so as I came to Christ and I began to learn more of Jesus and have an experience of uh, him coming into my life, it was absolutely wonderful to know now that Jesus was with me, but all these things didn't get automatically healed in my life. As a result, I carried a lot of this baggage with me. I, I once said that when I finally was able to get my life together and go to college, I brought more baggage than what was in the baggage uh, holding my clothes. I brought unresolved uh, ruptures of the past that uh, really had a significant impact on the way I view God, on the way I viewed the world, even on the way I viewed myself. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, well um, it's very powerful. And picking up on where, where you left off, um, as you mentioned, the sometimes our personal experiences can can kind of shape and we can bring baggage into the way that we view God or the image of God. Um, and also just our, our worldview. Uh, can you talk about the adjustments um, and just the transition, shifting your worldview and maybe realigning or maybe completely breaking down some misconceptions of, uh, of who God is in, uh, in, in, uh, in your life as you, uh, as you transitioned? Sure, uh, Tyler. You know, uh, growing up in my home, um, before my family began to attend church would have been in my adolescence, uh, the only time God was brought up into the conversation was to modify children's behavior. Mm -hmm. And uh, in my home, uh, mom would often refer to God as a great judge. She would use this phrase repeatedly on me as I would head off to whatever activity. Now, remember, God's watching you, and he can punish you for anything you've done. And she used, often used this phrase, God can knock that face right off of you if you're not careful. So God was very much of an ogre in the sky who was quick to judge, rather capricious, would prefer to pour out wrath than to give people a break. Now, that began to shift once we began to move toward a better understanding of faith. But I'll tell you, Tyler, that kind of impact on a young person's heart regarding God has profound implications. I mean, I remember once, uh, I don't know, I was probably 12, 13 years old, and I came in the house one evening, my mother was listening to Billy Graham, and mm -hmm. Billy Graham mentioned God, and it so frightened me, I just went to my room and shut the door. Because anytime God came up, the idea was, you know, uh, punishment soon to follow. I, I think my early childhood was characterized by rules and rituals that you had to fulfill if you believed in God. And also, God was somewhat of a nasty form of Santa Claus because he was always looking to see who was naughty and nice. But if you were naughty, he didn't just give you coal. Uh, I guess we could say that coal would be already on fire and for all eternity. So that's kind of what I began to take in. And even when I quote, got saved, there was not this deep sense that I wanted to spend a whole lot of time with God. I wanted to figure out what he demanded of me and try to live accordingly because I wasn't interested in punishment. So I, I did eventually go to college and uh, that I was the first person in my family to go to college. And I mean my extended family. 
And part of what drove that, frankly, was that there was a draft on at the time, and a lot of my friends that did get drafted were off um, fighting war. And uh, I, I wasn't all that interested in going that direction. And so I got into college on probation. And when I went there, it happened to be a Christian college. And I be, began to hear more about God. And that's when my worldview began to shift a bit that there are spiritual implications for life and that God is interested in not only my behavior but my past mm-hmm. and that he's not only interested in my past to kind of uh, judge me for what I've done wrong, but to bring healing to these what I call unrepaired ruptures that I had been carrying for a long, long time. And that that shift toward understanding that God was compassionate and he was caring and he was loving began to be a huge shift into my life. And I think another thing to say is that I started to understand that God sent Jesus across the universe in order to bring us back into his heart, and that God wasn't quick to want to punish me, but in fact, the good news of the gospel is that he was seeking for me, as it says in Song of Solomon, his desire is for us. And that began to make a major shift in my own heart and caused me to begin to consider not only wanting Christ in my heart, but wanting to live my life for him. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Um, and um, on this on this, on this, this process of uh, of uh, of seeing God not only in your heart but really living into a, a Christ-centered life, um, and and just thinking of how this this kind of all started to to really shift and shape your future, um, coming from the background that you were in, and and really breaking barriers, uh, not only in terms of coming to faith and and um, and and starting to walk and follow Christ, but also. Get, uh, Pursuing higher education and pursuing something that was not uh, maybe not as uh, sought after or uh, as focused on um, was this was this uh, healing process or this restoring of of these deep wounds was it kind of when when did you come to realization that you need to you needed to started to 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 work on these uh, and and seek God for this this restoration for this healing. Well, I think I, I would like to talk about this in, if you will, uh, two dimensions or two chapters. First, yeah. you know, coming to know Christ and really um, growing in him as I was ending my college career, hanging out with some wonderful young Christians. That began to teach me a lot about God and purpose and the fact that he cared about this world and that you should live your life for a greater purpose than yourself. And out of that, I felt a real call to dedicate myself to spending a life in Christian ministry. And so I left college. I went and got a master's degree uh, in, uh, to become a pastor. And I, I did begin to serve churches and saw people saved and lives begin to be changed. And also, I then went and got a doctorate, which opened doors for me to get involved in the academy and to teach at the theological seminary. And all of those things were really good. And there was a deep growing that was occurring in my life of my understanding of God. But Tyler, here's where the second half of this story comes. Throughout this entire time, as I was learning more about God and gaining more information and saying yes to the idea of call, I hadn't been attentive at all to the emotional ruptures and wounds Mm. that were present in my life, that were compromising my well-being. And in many ways, some of these ruptures and wounds were driving 
some very dysfunctional behavior. Workaholism was certainly one of them, the desire to measure up. And so here I am serving the Lord. God's giving me his gifts. There's even fruit in the ministry. But at the same time, there are parts of my story that are in perpetual wounding and rupture. So what happened is at a time when everyone would have thought my, my ministry was absolutely headed for the stars, having been you know, a pastor of a very large growing church and written a few books and uh, been in the academy, even was the head of a seminary for a period of time, mm-hmm. I ended up uh, having a significant emotional fall. And that emotional fall included a sudden onslaught of not just high anxiety and agoraphobia, but deep depression. And I ended up getting institutionalized in a hospital for, gee, almost a month. And that's when I began to realize that it's not enough to seek to serve the Lord, to learn more about the Lord, to uh, align your life according to the purposes and principles of his kingdom. But you have to let the Lord into the broken places in your life. And as I began to experience this uh, deep season of brokenness, I, I met a frustration that there were a lot of people in the community of Christ that they didn't have many solutions to individuals that were suffering from emotional disrepair from wounds that occurred in their past. And that set me, if you will, on a journey to say, Lord, I want more than to simply be your servant. I want to be I want to be healthy. I want to grow. I want to see emotional healing take place in my life. And that's where there was a significant turn in my journey because I learned I need to let Jesus get into mm-hmm. my unresolved past and deal with wounds and false beliefs and a lot of loss. And I found out that he can and he does, and I've spent the last 20-plus years positioning thousands of people to experience Christ in exactly the same way, which, in fact, that whole story is part of what some kind of crazy is about, integrating all of that from emotional wounding in my childhood to rebellious periods in my adolescence and early years to getting saved and then moving forward in ministry and then eventually, um, as I say in the book, falling down the ladder of success. Mm, wow. Um, and I, I think it, it, in particular for men, um, there's a tendency to really want to solve problems by ourselves, um, grip on to uh, whatever we think is, you know, I guess bad or just hasn't fully been repaired in our life and just kind of either write it off or ignore it or, or think that we can we can. Uh, overcome it just by um you know just by kind of fighting through it or having our own strength but really um from what i'm understanding is just seeking seeking christ to to really uh, to really kind of work into these cracks into these creases and start to mend these wounds that um are that can have the have the opportunity to to tear us up tear us down or break us break us apart if we don't uh if if we're not kind of mindful if we're not looking if we're not looking at or the just kind of the, the comprehensiveness and just the, this holistic understanding of uh, God's work and role in our life. Am, am I am I coming to uh, to kind of I guess hitting the right chords here? Oh, absolutely. And you know, obviously, here I was uh, in many people's eyes as a successful Christian man 
Christian servant, and all of a sudden I'm in this this ditch. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people that said to me, uh, "Look, don't ever tell anybody about this because uh, they won't want to have hear what you have to say before." In fact, one man said, "When you get out of psychiatric hospital, tell no one, or else you'll lose your ministry." Well, Tyler, the truth is, I told, and I guess to a degree, I lost my ministry, mm-hmm. but I found the ministry of Christ in a new and dynamic way. Uh, many of us adopt a lot of strategies to try to keep at bay the unresolved issues of our past. But for many of us, it eventually catches up with us. And mm-hmm. so I have a little formula, and it's this. Vulnerability in a place of grace and safety leads to great transformation. Mm-hmm. But it demands that we're willing to let Jesus meet us in our whole story. A good friend of mine is an author named Kurt Thompson. And he wrote that... Um, It takes courage to embrace your whole story, but it's in your whole story that God wants to meet you in all of its pathos, in all of its pain, and that only by embracing your whole story do you meet the one true storyteller. And I think that is absolutely true. And I have met many men, many, many men, who have come to me after a talk and said, you know, I've been embarrassed to talk about this, but there are issues in my life that I know have arisen because of unresolved pain of the past and I want to meet Jesus mm-hmm. there and I want to be able to say to them all today Jesus wants to meet you there here's here's a key piece Tyler mm-hmm. I used to think I guess that Jesus only met you on the Mount of Transfiguration and if you would work hard and do better and obey all the rules you'll have these enlightened moments in the presence of God mm-hmm. what I learned is Jesus does some of his best work when we're in the ditch because he comes there, he meets us there, he loves us there, and then he helps us process these painful pieces of our past, and then actually uses them uh, to his glory and to his honor. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't encourage men more to let the Lord begin a healing journey in their lives. A lot of dysfunctional behavior that men fight is actually driven by unresolved wounds of the past and they can try to fight those behaviors all they want and even shift from one to another but ultimately healing comes when they're willing to go deep with Christ Mm. and let him meet them in their own past in their own ditch and that's again that's that's why I wrote some kind of crazy yeah no thank you thank you for uh for elaborating on that point and um I wanted to to pick up on I know you've mentioned that uh you need to have a Gethsemane-like healing experience. Um, can you can you explain a bit more about what you what you uh, mean by this? I will, but I'm going to take a little run on it first. Absolutely. Neurobiology teaches us something that's crystal clear. Uh, most of what we believe and most of the way we behave is shaped from previous emotion-laden experiences. And a neurobiologist will tell you, concepts alone don't rewire the brain. What rewires the brain are these emotion-laden experiences that we've had in the past that then predispose us to certain responses in life. Mm. My emphasis is on the fact that it's really driven by emotion-laden experience, not concepts. Now, when I was coming out of the hospital, and of course they helped me to a degree, one of my frustrations was that I was learning scriptures and memorizing scriptures and even carrying scriptures in my back pocket but they weren't really moving me to change and one night I was frustrated and I went to the Bible and I'm reading and all of a sudden I read the story of the Garden of Gethsemane Mm. and 
that was a time of great emotional pain for our Lord. And what I realized was that when Jesus was in great emotional pain, God didn't give him a scripture verse. Hmm. That God met him there. Hmm. And he provided support from him there. And he allowed his word to be fresh there, the word that he gave to Jesus so that Jesus could rise up and say, not my will, but your will be done. And I remember that night saying, Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the church, and I thank you for what you've done, but I need more tonight than simply a scripture to memorize. I need an experience of you. And what I realized is that that's the way God's made us, that when we go to church on Sunday morning, it's more than us taking notes on what the preacher is saying. We are to have an experience of the presence of God. And prayer itself is not a time to think about God, but to encounter God. And so I began to really look at Scripture and say, wait a minute, we need to be able to position people, just like Jesus in Gethsemane, in a safe place with supporting caregivers to enter their pain to hear the word of God afresh in an experience that enables them to rise up, enables them to rise up and to realign their lives accordingly. So for me, while I greatly appreciate and study theology and read scripture and memorize scripture, I think scripture itself has to become episodic, that there needs to be an emotional engagement that helps us process the issues mm -hmm. of our past. And that's one of the reasons that I formed the organizations that I have, Healing Care and Healing Care International, in order to help people find healing for their lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I think kind of I think some people can have this 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 maybe this misconception of uh, you know at some point that uh, that God is some kind of far away in the, far away in the sky God that is not able to or it really isn't deeply working and and, and cares about. Uh, about healing us and, and you know in the present and you know in whichever whichever state or whichever situation that that we that we may find ourselves but um coming to this openness and this realization of the uh of that he will meet us in in our in our darkest places in our in our times of vulnerability um and, and work to to bring healing work to bring uh just this this renewing um, that can just continue to bring back glory to him and and, and really transform our uh, I, I think even the, the the way that we understand God as well when we're able to to attach and, and have this uh, emotional connection outside of simply memorizing scripture verse to bring us through something or to to know that it's it, uh, that there's there's so much more to this. Um, and that just continuing to be open to it as well. Absolutely, Tyler. I, I think God is closer than hands and feet. And mm. I deeply appreciate all that God provides us in uh, his word. I absolutely do. But I think one of the things that the word is for is to position us to have these living healing encounters with Jesus. St. Ignatius used to emphasize to his followers that God wants us to know him in Christ and he wants us to have an intimacy with him in Christ mm. and that there is an experiential component to that. Mm. Years and years ago, when I was doing my doctoral work at Fuller, there was a professor there that was talking to pastors and he said this, many, many people come to church on Sunday desperate for a meal of the presence of Christ and we often give them a recipe instead. And I think there is great truth in that, mm. that 
We want to teach people how to position themselves and us be positioned with them to actually experience Jesus, experience mm. his love. Uh, certainly it's going to be based on God's word, but there is so much information today that says mm. that a concept alone does not redefine or rewire the way a person operates in life, but instead it's emotion-laden experiences. And I believe mm. Jesus still wants to touch and to heal broken folk. I mean, after all, there's this fantastic scripture that comes out of Isaiah 42. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not put out. That has a very experiential component to it. And you go to the New Testament, and one of the things you see is that all these stories in the gospel are about people experiencing Jesus and how it transformed their lives, and mm -hmm. that we are now to be able to position people to experience him there. And I think that's where there's going to be a lot of freedom occur in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, just to, to, to uh, wrap up this, this podcast, um, I, I really do hope folks can have the opportunity to, to grab a copy of the book for themselves. Um, what, what advice would you give to listeners um, as they begin their emotional healing process? Well, um, Number one, you got to be in a safe community because if there is any judgment that a person feels uh, coming toward them when they begin to share their story, that person's going to shut down. So you want to make sure you're in a safe community. You want to make sure you have a lot of support mm -hmm. because healing is a journey. It's not just moments in time, but it's a journey over time. And having support, that's what Jesus was wanting there in Gethsemane. I think that's very important. I think it's also very important that when you're getting support, you're getting it from a, a caregiver that understands something about the journey. It's always helpful to have someone leading you along a path they've already walked. This is the reason that I started the Healing Care Center, where people can come and they, either through a retreat or, or through an extended stay, they can get help from a, a genuine wounded healer who has walked this journey and now been equipped to position other folks. The other thing is I really want to say to folks that God is longing to meet us in this place and that if there's judgment and accusation that comes up in our heads, it should never be uh, considered as being from the Lord. I, I believe God is tender toward the brokenhearted and that if there's a listener today that knows there's a place in their life, a ditch that they've never been able to get through, a behavior they've never get, been able to get past, God isn't standing in judgment over them, but is welcoming, welcoming them to his embrace in order that they can have a healing encounter. Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic. Um, Terry, it's been, it's been great to, to have you on today. Um, and I really enjoyed hearing um, all the work that you're doing. Um, with Healing Care HCM International, where where can people uh, find uh, more information on the retreats, on the extended stays, resources, books, uh, so on and so forth? Well, there's two websites, and of course, some of this is Facebook page. But if you go to the web website, it's HCM International. If you go to that website, there are all kinds of information about what we do and opportunities for care and healing. Uh, there's also a website called Healing Care Ministries. If you go there, you're going to, again, find some great help along the way. If they buy a copy of this book, uh, some kind of crazy, in the back there are uh, a list of different kind of resources that they can access 
and all of them are geared to helping people that are limping in life find healing in Christ. Fantastic. Uh, Terry, thanks so much for, for joining me and the guys like us. Podcast has been, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Tyler. It's been a joy for me.